he's catty. He's not stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be and I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let's let the healing begin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following Films Network. And it's time for our new release review. So earlier this week, we took a look at The Abyss, uh, which is kind of a, you know, alien underwater movie. And now we're looking at the new release of Alien Covenant. And to do that, I have Chris Maynard of Following Films. Thanks for being here, Chris. Ah, Thank you for having me back. Of course. So... This is the movie when I gave you a bunch of choices of new releases that were coming out, and you chose this one. So, um, what is your history with the Alien franchise? And, you know, were you excited about this coming out, or did you just feel like this was the best of a bad bunch? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, where the summer movie season, not necessarily my favorite time to go to the multiplex. I uh, <laughs> usually don't get a ton of stuff that I'm interested in, but having... I actually, I'm one of those oddballs that enjoyed Prometheus. And yeah, I've you and me both, buddy. It. You and me both. Yeah. So <laughs> I've had, I've, you know, I can't, it's hard for me to remember a time when I haven't enjoyed or I, I think I saw the aliens in the theater. Right. Um, and so that I was 10 or 11 years old, something like that. Right. Way too young to be seeing it. But <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching these movies for the better part of 30 years now, so right. it's really hard for me to remember a time when I haven't seen them. Um, sure. And they're an unusual series of films because it seems like, unlike where they're were in this particular iteration of them, they finally started having a continuous through line. Um, I was going to say, before now, there's in. no rules. Like, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Fincher, Cameron, like, whatever. Just as long as a Xenomorph shows up, we don't really care. Well, it, it was if you could somehow shoehorn in Sigourney Weaver, <laughs> um, then you had a movie. And now I guess that shoehorning is really uh, Fassbender at this point. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Fassbender <laughs> showing up in every movie. I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> and in this case, we get two. We get two Fassbenders. Is is that a spoiler? I mean, kind of, I mean, I don't think so. Like that's been like, and maybe not. Maybe uh, I'm definitely on Twitter and Facebook and the internet too much. But that's been <laughs> kind of common knowledge for like the past two months. So I don't think that's a big spoiler, especially if we don't give away certain plot points. Like he is an android. There's going to be more than one of him. So I'm okay with that. Okay. Fair enough. I, I had no idea actually. Oh, nice. So you are you as like the. The hermit who lives under a rock is just like, (laughs) oh, my God, (laughs) no idea. I I tend to keep my uh, if I'm tagged in something, that's what will show up on my Twitter feed. And that's what I really care about. Um, (laughs) Outside of that, it probably will just pass me by. So I I don't really care what Film Geek 387 said about uh, (laughs) Alien Covenant this week. Boy, that is a uh, it's a good thing you don't have a new release podcast cuz Film Geek <laughs> Film Geek 387 is my is my niche. <laughs> I need them. I care. I care what you think. So, um so we were kind of talking about the fact that you had picked this. So, 
Uh, what did you think after sitting through two hours and five minutes of Ridley Scott's, I guess, more of a sequel to Prometheus than than a sequel to Alien? Um, yeah, it's a little bit. I don't know. Um, I walked out of the theater about 20 minutes ago, so I'm still kind of unpacking sure. it in my mind right now. Um, but my first reaction is I'm kind of disappointed a little bit. Um, I had higher hopes for it. The initial trailers for it uh, definitely were calling back to the first Alien. Sure. And for this, I got a little bit more Aliens than I was expecting. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. So I, I saw kind of like more big action set pieces as opposed to this sort of claustrophobic thriller. And yeah, that's we fair. get that, that the, the last act moves into that, but until then it's, it's not that at all. And in fact, um, we end up with these really awkward exposition scenes in this movie, which is probably the thing that pulled me out of it the most. Cause the mm-hmm. alien films really haven't until Prometheus gotten too much in the, to the history and to like building this, you know, cinematic universe kind of thing. <laughs> and, they weren't concerned with that. It was just about tension or this huge action. And I was okay with either one of those, but when you put in this, I don't know, kind of story that you're trying to build this through line through all these films, it kind of feels like a saw movie where you're retrofitting all these things later. And it just kind of, I don't know. It feels like more of a screenwriting exercise than an mm. actual movie at times. Yeah, it does definitely. It plays with a lot of ideas, and it it probably tries to do too much. I think it tries to be uh, a Prometheus sequel, and it tries to be an Alien movie at the same time, and it may have bitten off more than it can chew. But I always appreciate. I appreciate that much more than like, well, we're just going to be simplistic and we're not, we're not going to reach. I like the fact that Ridley Scott reached. And one thing that I was noticing as I was watching this movie, and I, I think I enjoyed this movie uh, more than you did. I had a really good time with it. Like I was really Mm -hmm. pleased with where it went. So I walked out of the theater yesterday, very, very happy uh, with with this process. Um, But I, it came to mind that I think Ridley Scott is uh, really catty and really passive aggressive. (laughs) Uh, because this movie is like the biggest middle finger to everyone who is bitching and moaning about Prometheus, about it, you know, not really being an alien movie. And this wasn't what I signed up for. And that whole kind of attitude of I walked in expecting something and it was and it was different from that. So I don't like it. So he's like, OK, um, fuck you for the first 90 minutes of this movie. I'm just going to make I'm going to make the movie I want to make. I'm going to make a Prometheus sequel, and it's going to be all about creation and faith and all the things you guys balked at. And then the last 30 minutes, I'll give you your fucking alien movie. I'll give you your xenomorph. I'll give it to you in enclosed spaces. Fine. Here it is. So that just, to me, felt like Ridley Scott going, you know, I've had enough of this fan culture, which I really loved. Um, okay. If it, if the, the real middle finger would be to cut it off at that hour and a half mark, instead of giving him what okay. they wanted. He's catty. Out. He's not stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but then, okay. So you brought up something that was actually really annoying to me about okay. this film, that the idea of Billy Crudup's character, where you have the sort of embodiment of faith right. it, and it's, it pays lip service to it, but it does nothing with it. Yeah. The idea of having this for sort of evolution, um, unnatural selection uh, (laughs) idea where it's being forced and having that against a man of faith, you could have had something interesting there and they build this idea and do absolutely nothing with it. Um, Just to set up an idea doesn't mean you're actually exploring it. Right. I I think, I think you bring up a great point and I think, 
I think the thing that this franchise has working against it more than anything else is how much of a brilliant piece of filmmaking the original Alien is. Um, <laughs> I mean, really, because like you've set the standard so fucking high. Like to me, I mean, Alien is in my top 10 films of all time. I think it's just phenomenally made and amazing and still holds up. And the reason it still holds up for me is when you watch it in a very efficient way in the first 35 to 40 minutes, you get to know all of the characters on the Nostromo and, and you care about them. Like not only are they fully fledged characters, but you actually give a shit. Uh, And in this movie, I think there's probably two or three of the like eight characters that you get to know, but the rest of them, it feels like they're very thinly drawn. And like you mentioned, especially the Billy Crudup character, who I feel like is an actor who deserves better. I think he's actually a, a pretty high quality actor who is not really given a chance to shine here. Like he is saddled with lines like, you know, I can't be the captain of a ship and be a man of faith. Like, okay, why? Uh, could you explain that further? Could you show that to us? And I do feel like given this movie is, I think, two hours and five minutes long, it makes me wonder, is there a longer cut somewhere that lets <laughs> us get to know these characters? Because that doesn't feel like a Ridley Scott alien movie to just like, OK, like our, you know, like have these characters just, you know, show up just to be killed. That that, like you said, I think feels more like aliens than it does like alien. Well, it, it seems like they're introducing just a lot of characters here so they can kill them off. Right. Um, so you can have those sense of stakes. And if they would have had a much smaller crew of people that, you know, I think in the initial it's 15 or 16 people, whatever it is that they when we they when the storm first happens and we start meeting these people, however many people are there and they, they have such little faith in what they're doing and why, how they're trying to establish things that they introduce James Franco just to <laughs> get all that people. It, like, it, how fucking distracting is that? That was really distracting and kind of random. Like that's choices like that make me think that there is a longer cut where James Franco actually has scenes with the people in this movie. Instead, it looks like, you know, an outtake from 127 hours of him climbing on a rock. <laughs> and I'm like, what? How? Why is James Franco in this movie? I mean, good for him for getting work. I mean, if that's the only scene he shot, he probably got paid pretty well for not much work and good for him. But it did. Well, it, it is really outlandish that that scene is there. Like it, it, it doesn't feel, and if it gets cut down to that point, it doesn't seem like it needed to be there at all. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, I you think, had, I think they put oh. it in there. So there's a reason for them to not get back into the pods and land on this planet. I think that's the only reason he dies. Oh, I, I get it. I under, I right. understand, but you know, you could have pulled that off with a picture. Um, you could have pulled that off right. with an actor we had never heard of. It's right. just when you put in that, it becomes just because, when you know a face like that, it becomes distracting unless you get yes. to know them. Um, right. When you get past that, if they get um, to play like a it, fucking character, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like uh, it, it's you know Danny McBride, for example. You kind of he comes in with a lot of baggage, but he actually is able to transcend that. I think to some degree. Yeah, I think where so you too. Do get to and know. that surprised me. Like when I first heard he was in this movie, I was like, "Fuck." This is going to be terrible. Like, I'm not going to be able to get eastbound and down out of my head or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever role you want to throw in. Cause he is very, like, not only very caustic, uh, but like he's very, he's very in, in the public eye as well. So it's not like he's someone you're like, oh, that little known character actor, Danny McBride. Like, that's, you're going to, as soon as he shows up, you have something <laughs> preconceived. But I think, I don't, I don't think he's great here, but I think he does a good enough job to make you forget who he is, which is really his job as an actor in a movie like this. Yeah, he's not 
distracting and he's not doing uh i mean honestly he the biggest laugh in the movie came at um the expense of michael fassbender in my theater where i saw this when he was teaching uh himself how to (laughs) i'll do the the fingering that's a great line there you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah amazing you do the blowing i'll do the fingering like whoa (laughs) like I know we're going for sexual overtones here, but that's that's a lot. <laughs> well, I mean, you you have the two guys blow. It, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was just in case you didn't pick up on it, we're really going to nail this home for hey, you. And I will not be the guy to say like less sexual tension with Michael Fassbender. I'm I'm all on board. That's fine. Well, as long <laughs> push as it it's further, Michael Fassbender sexual tension with Michael Fassbender, yeah. then it's that's sheer that that's everybody Baha. wins. Yeah. Okay, so you haven't brought this up, but I've seen this brought up a lot of places, and it's starting to honestly just kind of bug me where people are – and they did this with Prometheus too, this idea of like, I just don't get why these people make such stupid decisions. I don't get why they're all dumb, blah, 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 blah. One, uh, it's a horror movie. Uh, Horror movies make their livings on people making stupid decisions. And two, I think we give people too much fucking credit. I think people, when they're in stressful situations, make dumb decisions all the time. Like, I, I'm so sick of this this idea of like, oh, well, I can see because I am calm and separate from this uh, from this adventure. I can see these are the five things you should do. It's like, well, you're not on a random planet and terrified. Well, the other thing they don't do um, is cock their gun and go, let's get this motherfucker. <laughs> right. All of a sudden. Everybody's you know, fine for- with that. <laughs> like... <laughs> Catherine Waterston trying to pull that off seems a little bit off to me. It doesn't really work. She's not quite um, Ripley. It's there, there are some terrible decisions that happen in this movie, of course. And yeah, they, they're, they're certainly distracting. Um, I, I think, I don't know if this is where people are getting at, but probably the quarantine sequence, I think is one of the big ones where oh, you mean like the through. quarantine sequence in the first movie that well, no the, one the, fucking the, complains about like the, the different the different no the difference is that you actually have an emotional investment in these characters and when right. they're pulling for one another and when you see that you feel that struggle of not wanting to close them out here right. there it's to use mike's term they're meat shields so you right. don't give a shit about it so you're paying attention to actually what they're doing as opposed to who's doing it. Right. And that's fine. So it's not it's not the decision that's being made that's a problem. It's the lack of a buildup of empathy for these characters. Correct. Okay. I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> what so here's more positives for me. I think Michael Fassbender puts in a phenomenal performance in this film. Um, I think from the very beginning scene between him and Guy Pierce, where he is, you can tell he's just, he's just been created and his movements are stiff and not quite as they should be. And then I love the vocal choices between the characters of Walter and David, which plays a part near the end of the film. I, I just think his performance is just about pitch perfect. And I think it's one of those <laughs> things that it may not get mentioned as much one because it's in a big budget science fiction movie and two, because it's Michael Fassbender and we just expect greatness, but this is a phenomenal performance. Probably the best performance you will see in a big budget blockbuster, at least this year. Um, I don't know. We still haven't seen the mummy yet. Oh Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure Jake Johnson and Tom Cruise will blow (laughs) Fassbender out of the water. Let's just wait. Let's wait till we'll re- we'll revisit this in August and we'll okay. see who was right. All right, I will bring you back in August, and <laughs> I am willing to lay that bet down. That is fine with me. 
Um, yeah, he, he's he's fine here. Um, and his performance is very good, but there's several moments that it's more of him trying to overcome some pretty bad dialogue that he has to pull off. He has um, not only some pretty corny dialogue, he has a ton of exposition yep. that he has to wear. And but if you're going to give it to anybody the- in this movie... You give it to Fassbender for sure. He almost, he almost pulls off the exposition. It almost right. uh, works, but it's still just, uh, God, I could care less. But what really bothered me, um, I don't want to necessarily get into the spoilers, but um, the third act stuff that's going on was so transparent. Um, okay, we're gonna t- we're, like we will I, talk about that. We're going to talk about that okay. in the spoiler section for sure, because I'm actually very torn on it because there's things I love about it and things that I don't, but... But right, we will okay. get to that. Um, I was wondering what you thought as far as like the the uh, the kind of the creatures, the special effects here, because we have, I guess, what has now been termed uh, neomorphs uh, with these like, you know, alien like creatures uh, before the xenomorph shows up. I, I mean, I don't think that's a spoiler that a xenomorph is going to show up in a fucking alien movie. Like, honestly, if you're surprised by that, I don't know what to tell you. I think you're. You know, you're living more <laughs> under a rock than uh, than Chris here, who didn't hear about the two the two fastbenders. But I thought the xenomorphs looked great. I thought the neomorphs looked passable. They looked like a little bit like castoffs from a Guillermo del Toro movie. Um, but it was fine because I felt like the action was filmed so quickly that they they did a decent job of not like focusing in on that too much. What what did you think? I thought that the uh, juxtaposition between the neomorph and uh, the xenomorph. And you have this sort of white version that could be trained possibly and had oh, a soul Jesus. versus this black one later in the film shows wow. this racism that I will not stand behind, sir. I was personally offended by it. That's amazing. That is something I would never have even thought of. That is fantastic. Ridley Scott is racist. Wait, wait till right. Monday morning. That is going to be a meme. Trust yeah. me. Yeah. If there's not a thick piece already, it's coming. <laughs> oh, my God. That's that's phenomenal. All right. Well, uh, th- th- there is a, there's the I mean, there is the idea of these white characters that were the original architects behind this. I can't remember what they the were engineers. Called. The yes. engineers. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, they had that very pale white um, thing. And so you're bridging the gap between the two, between sure. where the xenomorph goes and it's kind of pulling from their DNA. And I thought it's an actually I thought the character design was really interesting because it's going between that and showing the flow of it. Right. Um, it, it, but again, my problem comes into screenplay because I think that the audience could have figured all this stuff out um, or they we, we get walked down too much of it where it's mm-hmm. over explained to us. And if you didn't know anything about the other films, you could have watched it and enjoyed it and wouldn't have really cared about what the different creatures were. And if you have been watching these movies, you are for most of this film, you're two and a half, if not five steps ahead of it. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So I think Do you point, disagree with me on that. I will. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Okay. Um, okay. So at this point, we're going to go to spoilers, but I think uh, <laughs> we have differing reactions to this. I would definitely recommend this. And it sounds like you're kind of lukewarm on it. There's there's things you like, but there's things you definitely had issues with. Is that? Yeah, it's 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 one. It's it's okay. I mean, this is one of those ones that honestly, it made me want to oddly enough go back and rewatch Prometheus. Um, so I might put that on tonight uh, before I go to bed. And it's a good call. Revisit it. Always yeah, just because I 
I, I want to see some of that connective tissue, but that becomes from a, again, it's that screenplay exercise as opposed to an actual, um, it's and I hope this isn't the trend of filmmaking now. This is getting into that Rogue One territory where you're starting to really put all these pieces together, and you're instead of actually developing characters that we give a shit about, um, you're counting on our nostalgia. And this, it's the nostalgia for a xenomorph. And I don't know, it's, it's kind of cynical. Okay, all right. So we're gonna go to spoilers now. Spoilers. What? Read ahead. Spoil all the surprises. I'll peek at the end. Isn't traveling with you one big spoiler? That's classified. That's what? It's classified. I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill you. Um. So the the third act, I, I assume you're talking about the uh the the David Walter switch is. What the, oh, that the, yeah. That's that's the last bit of it. Um. I, I honestly, my it begins with the idea that. David is the, I mean, it starts with his character introduction. You kind of know who this is right away sure. and you know what he's been doing and you can see by these drawings that are when she's looking through it, instead of having this big explanation of what's been going on, you can look at those drawings and be like, Oh shit. I, okay, I get this. This is interesting. But then they have to really walk at home for everybody. <laughs> what did you sure do to her? Yeah. 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 I can see exactly. That. Yeah. And, and so that, that's just one of those things where there's, you know, five minutes of screen time where I start wanting to look for my phone and kind of watch mm. other things. Fortunately, um, Ridley Scott knows how to fill the frame with interesting imagery. God, so does I'm he? never, my goodness. I, I'm never bored in the movie. It's as far as from a visual standpoint, there's always something interesting to look at. Yeah. That's something I, we didn't mention. Like visually, this film looks incredible. Like I mm-hmm. think, and, and same thing with Prometheus, like the man has a gift um, for this type of big ideas, sci-fi and not making it boring. And, and that sounds like something that would be easy, but there's plenty of boring sci-fi out there and he does yeah. a great job visually here as well. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's uh, yeah, definitely. It, it almost, it's one of those things that goes without saying, you know, Ridley Scott is just a visual master. So <laughs> in case you didn't know um, that guy, it's a little bit of talent that Ridley Scott yeah. It's all right. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Um, so, so the kind of the, the end of the third act where we quote unquote find out, uh, that David actually won that fight and he is on, mm-hmm. on board the covenant. Did, did you not know that right away though? All right. So kind of, um, when <laughs> kind he, of? yeah. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. I'll explain it. So when he first shows up, I was like, okay, that's definitely David. Okay. That's. That's got to be him, especially given what you know about where this is leading up to the original Alien film. Like you can't yep. you can't end happy. It's not going to happen. Um, so at that point, I was like, yeah, that's definitely David. But then they do this really interesting thing. And this is all Fassbender's performance where the character of David over enunciates. It's almost a British accent. And the character right. of Walter has like almost like a southern style of speaking. And it's really, it's really, it's relatively subtle, but the two voices sound very different. And what I love about um, Fassbender's performance as David in the last segment of this movie is if you listen, he is doing an approximation of Walter's voice. And, oh, yeah. and it slipped in and out. So for a second, I was like, 
well, okay, is this is this David doing Walter or is this Fassbender like his voice is kind of giving out a little bit and he's not sure which character he's playing? And it so it threw me for a loop, but there was never a point where I was sure it was Walter. I was always leaning towards David the whole time. And I also love his facial expression when she she mentions the log cabin. Just that mm-hmm. little head tilt of like it's the first moment he's unsure, and then she has that realization. I absolutely love that moment. So no, is is it is it going to fool anybody? Probably not. Um, but I still think it's worth it for the performance beats in that third act. And unfortunately, we've had this happen in almost every alien film right. where we have the replicants or what androids, whatever we're calling them in this Ridley right. Scott universe. I was going to say, um, <laughs> slipping into Blade Runner yeah. there. I mean, there's uh, been like one one good guy, two, I guess, if you count uh, <laughs> Alien Resurrection, that garbage-ass fucking movie. Um, but most of the time, the, the, it's, it's got, the androids it, aren't it, trustworthy. It's got a few things. There's even Alien Resurrection's got a few things I like about it, actually. Well, it's got the so underwater chase sequence, which is fun, but... It, it does, but it also has an interesting visual style. It's the yeah. guys who made oh, yeah. uh, Delicatessen, and I, I, it's City an of Lost interesting... Children too. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so, but the basketball scene is where cool. that one is just Jesus unforgivable. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, there's, there's yeah, a lot okay, going sorry. on there. No, it's okay. Yeah. So there's nothing that egregious here. <laughs> no. You look at the history of the Alien franchise. There's no basketball moment here. Um, <laughs> but there's, it, it's honestly, it's something that. For an ending like this to work, to have that moment at the end where it's pulling the rug out from under you and then they have him walking through that, you should be sitting in shock from what you've just seen. Instead of that, it's this moment that you're talking about that's a character moment where you go, Mm -hmm. oh, look, he played that really well. But that's exactly what I knew was going to happen. Sure. Um, I didn't know it was going to be the log cabin, but I, as soon as it's, t- it's your turn, you know that she's going to figure it out and she's going to look up and see there's going to be some giveaway and then, you know, credits. So right. it's, it just, I don't know. It, it kind of, it just doesn't work for me because I'm ahead of it. Um, sure. So this whole, this whole act, the end piece could have been cut out completely, which is odd because it's the one thing that I was really looking forward to in this film. Um, as I said before, the, I thought this was going to be a throwback to the original alien. And I was looking forward to that. I thought that would be kind of just a fun thriller, um, right. which would be good. But instead we got this, you know, sort of more actiony version from Ridley Scott. And I was interested in that and it was okay. Right. Uh, with the exception of the part where Catherine Watterson is, on top of the, the the spacecraft and running around and <laughs> shooting the alien that's underneath. We didn't touch on that. That's pretty distractingly bad. That whole sequence. Can, I, I, I mean, I can, I can see having that reaction, but I, I didn't. Uh, I think I was just so enamored with the special effects of the xenomorph, like finally showing up. Like I, I enjoyed that sequence. The other thing I enjoyed in this final act is that because, especially if you go into this, having watched all of the alien franchise movies and I actually just rewatched watch them all leading up to this to kind of refresh my memory on a lot of things. And Mm -hmm. because you know, uh, you know, there's no happy ending here if you've seen alien and you know, this is before alien. So because of that, I was not sure if any of the characters were going to survive the xenomorph attack. So I thought like, maybe this is going to be really dark and we're just going to kill off a bunch of people. Um, So it threw me off that, like, they actually did take care of the alien and then, you know, David essentially vomits up these alien embryos, which I thought was was an interesting way to handle what comes next. 
Yeah. Um, it, uh, yeah, you're right. Okay. I will give them the film and the ending that I yes. didn't see David throwing up the embryos. You're right. I, I, yeah, I, was, I knew you I didn't call that film, part, but I did not call that part. You're absolutely right. <laughs> then the callback to the original, to the opening of the film, I thought it was a nice bookend. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it just didn't have that punch that I was hoping for. Um, sure. what was, what was the th- feeling in the theater outside of yourself? Like, um, because it felt very like everybody just went, huh? And then walked out. I think that's because no, you were, nobody in, was like, that's because you were in LA. Like, oh, that shit. And see, my crowd really that? liked it. My crowd was really into it. Um, <laughs> like they were really happy. Like you could tell, like, as they were walking out, they were kind of mm-hmm. pumped about this movie and definitely a very different reaction than I got when I saw Prometheus in the theater, kind of the polar opposite, <laughs> because even the people I was with when I saw Prometheus, the reaction was, what the fuck was that? What did I just watch? <laughs> um, so this, I guess, is an improvement on uh, on kind of the audience read of the movie. Fair enough. So. And, and I, th- I, th- I think it will be. Uh, and from what I've heard, I haven't read too much about it because I try to avoid, you know, spoiling movies for myself. It's a good call. Um, but I guess Alien uh, is going to be where Ridley Scott lives for like the next 20 years or something. Yeah, something apparently. like five movies planned or something, which yeah. – but Ridley Scott says shit like this all the time. He's like James Cameron. Oh, I'm going to make 19 more movies. Like, uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if you well, will. I'm pretty sure James Cameron's making like a shit ton of those, isn't he? So, so he says. <laughs> I'll believe it when those movies. I mean, he's probably making them. I'm just not convinced they'll ever be released. That's yeah, fair we'll, enough. We'll see. Uh, but I know for sure that like this. Uh, apparently, this these last two movies and one more were planned as a trilogy leading up to the original Alien. So we'll okay. get at the very least we'll get one more prequel to Alien, which will. Which would be interesting to see how they handle that now that we have the kind of embryos in place and things seem to be kind of lined up for the Nostromo. Can you think of uh, – it's just the idea of a prequel um, when you're beholden on you, – there's a place you have to go to. There's an ending that we all know you're going to right. and that you're, we're all working towards and it's how you're going to get there. Can be interesting, but in the end, it always feels kind of empty. Yeah, I was going to um, say like, it's 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 less likely to end up interesting. I think I think that is the the points in this movie that take me out of it are like you said, you're you're five steps ahead of it because you know where this has to lead to, and and there's right. not actually a lot you can do about that from a writing and a directorial perspective because we all know, you know, what happened in 1979, and we know we got to get there. You know, if these are prequels and they're leading up, I think that's the that was the weird thing about Prometheus because they made a such a big deal about like keeping it a secret and saying it wasn't a prequel to to Alien, but now they seems to have completely switched gears and they are leading us straight to Alien. Well, I think that was the way people reacted to it. It was right. it was going to head eventually in that sort of direction and be like sort of in the same universe as it perhaps, but people demanded it, and right. there you go. Yep. That's what we got. And now I'm we're going to see something that's I assume if the next film takes place after this one. Yeah. Um, something completely immersed in the alien universe. And yeah. that's something I'm honestly even less interested in at this point. Yeah. I mean, um, I like I like the big ideas that these last two movies have had. And I think by necessity, if they are true prequels, it's going to get really kind of focused and I don't know how interesting that is after these – after this, you know, Prometheus was about, you know, creation and this was about mm-hmm. 
and this was about uh, similar themes, but there's there's so much to explore there. And now we got to really kind of narrow down, which I'm not super excited about. No, neither am I. Yeah. The one thing that we didn't talk about that I wanted to, um, there's one scene here uh, that I is both my favorite and my least favorite scene at the same time. Like we have, we finally get the eggs, right? We have, you know, uh, David doing his zoology and figuring all this out somehow. Uh, <laughs> who knows really what that means? Uh, but thank you for not like going into that for the movie, oh. not getting that in the weeds about it. I was glad they didn't. Yeah, go I, I agree. I think there's. There's a lot left up uh, to your imagination, and that's fine. I don't think you have to know the 900 steps he's taken over these years and years and years to oh, figure this out. He's been out there for 10 years by himself. He right. figured some shit out. Great. Exactly. Perfect. That's good, all I needed to know. Good enough for me. Smarter than me. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> so so we get the egg sequence, which I think is really good. It is uh, a true – it's probably the most true horror sequence in the entire film because we all know what those eggs are and Billy Crudup's character doesn't. Uh, so as the audience, like we – are we have that don't go in there moment uh but he's yeah. completely unaware and that really works and i think it really ratchets ratchets up the tension really well and the face hugger looks great the thing i don't like about this sequence is it's when the when the creature first comes out uh it is there is a laughable sequence of david essentially i guess teaching it how to raise its hands i don't i don't, I don't know why mm-hmm. uh and the whole theater laughed and it just it just doesn't work on a couple levels one it's it's silly in in the way it's planned at all like this is this just doesn't make any sense and two this is supposedly the perfect weapon the you know the creature that will will kill at all costs it doesn't kill for food it just kills because that's what yep. it's bred to do uh, and we're going to train this thing like that just doesn't really mesh with with the xenomorph uh that we've been introduced to through you know however many years now 30 or 40 years of film so that part really bothered me but everything leading up to it was so good well yeah when we're first introduced to the face huggers uh, jumping out of the egg in the first film, it seems like those eggs had been dormant for, you know, hundreds of years. It, it, that's what it feels like right. in that particular space. And so when they actually come to life, this is just something that's innate in them that they know right. how to do. And by showing that, by explaining that they had to be trained by <laughs> uh, an android to do what they were designed to do right and maybe they'll go further into this and further remove anything that's interesting about the movie by (laughs) explaining it more which just completely kills all the horror right um so eventually maybe they'll try to make the xena more sympathetic right i mean it's the it's the michael myers treatment right like to me like the scariest version of michael myers is the original one because he does it for no reason and then you have the Rob Zombie version, which like, I guess he was beaten as a child by people with Texas accents in Chicago for some reason. Uh, so that's why he's <laughs> such a jerk. And it's like, OK, that's not scary anymore. He's just, you know, he was abused like that. I don't need to take my movie villains and make them all relatable. I think there's something to be said for this creature that is the perfect killing machine. That is what makes it scary. Well, I will. Uh, I'll go disagree with you on one part about the Halloween thing okay. um, that when, when Rob Zombie was doing it the first hour, when he was making the movie that he wanted to make, mm. it was interesting. Um, and He's then never when he boring. Had to, <laughs> no, and then when he had to remake uh, 
the original Halloween and the second hour of the film or the last 45 minutes, right. um, that's when it runs out of steam. And yeah. it's just it's and I think that's what my problem with Alien Covenant, that's where mm. it becomes closer to that is that I feel like we're just, OK, we just have we're doing an alien movie. We need to hit all these beats as opposed to, to you know, show me something interesting or new within right. that universe. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me. I, I still like definitely enjoyed my time with it and will be seeing mm -hmm. it again because my wife wants to see it. Uh, sure. So that's fine. And I think especially all the scenes with the two fastbenders with David and Walter, there is so much there to kind of chew on. And there's, there's so many interesting ideas there about, about creation and about, you know, what, uh, who can create and who can't create and what that means. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of really, there's a lot of really cool ideas there. And like we kind of talked about, it may have, the movie just may have like tried to put too many big ideas in one movie. Oh, I, and I, yeah, it may have. And uh, yeah, you mentioned before the idea that at least it was trying to introduce those ideas. Um, I just wish they would have actually decided to do something with some of it because it feels it feels like a wasted opportunity honestly all right well we definitely saw this movie uh differently uh but that's okay that actually makes for a better conversation rather than me saying something and you going yeah me too so so <laughs> so i appreciate that um and uh if you'd like to follow chris on twitter uh and send him a notification so he actually gets on that website it's uh following underscore films uh and you should also check out his podcast uh which always has really cool interviews with uh with people in the world of film in the world of cinema um so you should definitely check that out and there's a fair amount of backlog there for you to listen to as well uh so chris thanks you thank you for being here on this episode thanks for having me sir always yeah. a pleasure anytime all right so we are going to take a break and then come back with fangirl fixation which we skipped last week so we'll actually be covering covering two movies on brit's film education last week uh we were looking at uh guy Ritchie's movies we we're looking at rock and rolla and then the new king arthur movie so what we looked at was <laughs> another movie that was supposed to have a sequel um, which is Spike Lee's Inside Man. And this week, to tie with our movies, you know, obviously we looked at The Abyss and Alien Covenant. So we we're looking at another science fiction film. Uh, we we're looking at Duncan Jones' Moon. Uh, so we'll talk about those movies and then talk about the movies coming out next week. Hey, everyone. I'm Jason Michael. And I'm Lee Brady. And we're the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast. We're a podcast that looks to analyze what makes films great with a warm atmosphere and a good laugh. New releases, retrospectives, and absolute classics all reassessed and reviewed. You can find the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. And if you're looking for a more direct approach, you can find us on Twitter. Just look for Jason Michael at Atlantic SC and Lee Brady at Big Pick Reviews. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast. Let the games begin. All right, so welcome back. It's time for Fangirl Fixation with Brit. Hello, Brit. Hello. See, I didn't say say hello, Brit, this time. I know. Changed it up on you. So uh, last week, uh, we were supposed to do Inside Man, so we will take a closer look at that as well as another movie when it comes to your film education. But before we get started, is there anything you want to talk about? Anything that's been on your mind? My mind is not so good lately. <laughs> so no? Probably not. Answer? Okay. Yeah. All right. No. Oh, I'm going to my first ever convention, like for like a real convention, not just like going in and bugging out for two hours. And what convention is that? Fanime. So that is a uh, Bay Area anime convention, yep. right? Which is why Britt's going alone. <laughs> yeah, I'm going. I'm going so alone. I've learned that uh, 
cosplay is hard, okay? And uh, I need to plan better <laughs> if I'm ever going to do this again. I got wigs that aren't styled. I got <laughs> I got costume pieces uh, for all different ones and nothing finished. So uh, I may just be running around in jeans and a shirt that says hentai. <laughs> hey, okay. You might get some uh, interesting attention if you do that. Yeah. Just saying. All right, so uh, last week, uh, the movies we did, we looked at Guy Ritchie's movies. We were watching Rock and Rolla, which is supposed to have a sequel or two. Uh, so I wanted to look at really good movies that were supposed to have a sequel that never did. So we took a look at Spike Lee's Inside Man. So what did you think about that movie? Uh, I liked it. It was an interesting twist to like the usual bank robbery type mm-hmm. heist movie. Right. It was interesting enough that I wasn't uh, figuring things out from the beginning. Which well, I usually good. do. And irritates Dave to high hell. Just <laughs> shut up. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. I can't see it. <laughs> I don't want you to tell me. That's um right. Yeah. And it, it was also interesting the way that they ended it, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really sh- like Like, I don't feel like it was a movie that needed a sequel. Yeah, not Even necessarily. I think this intended. one ends fine. Yeah. It's not something that's like, I mean, like the rock and roller literally ends with, I'm now the real rock and roller. The real rock and roller will appear, blah, blah, right. blah. So this this is very different for sure. Yeah, yeah. Rock and roller, like that you could tell was a setup for another movie. This one, yeah. this one didn't feel that way. It felt like it could stand alone. No, definitely. I would yeah. be, I'm, I'm curious of what they would have done with the sequel though. Like would it have from, just been like going after the, the Nazi guy? No, from what I've heard, it's basically this you know clive owens character the the bank robber right. and uh denzel washington's character like they cross paths again like years later uh, so they have the same cat and mouse game and of course like no one has this information about clive owen that denzel does it's not as if it's you know he's publicized right what's going on so it's not like he could say remember it was this case right because you know? that got buried right because they couldn't actually figure it out exactly yeah so that's that's the idea. I guess Spike Lee's been trying to get it made like since 2007, and the studios won't give him the money to do it. So he's like, mm-hmm. okay, I guess not. That's Which that. sucks because this is a really it's interesting because Spike Lee. I think when you think of Spike Lee, you think of you know uh, politically charged movies. I right. guess is the best way to put it. And there's a little bit of that in here. There's that whole sequence uh, with the the man with the turban, the Sikh, the Sikh yeah. man, and kind of the you know the cops with their racial epithets and all that stuff. But that's not the focus of the movie, right? Um, so it's a very different. It's like it's very weird to see Spike Lee do a genre movie. Like this is very clearly a heist movie. I'm pretty sure, but it's directed the first by Spike. Spike Lee movie I've seen. So really, is it the yeah. first? Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I think this is actually an interesting introduction to to Spike Lee because this is not his typical right. movie. So what but, you're saying is now I'm probably going to be annoyed with his other movies. No, I mean <laughs> I think he's made some. I, I think this is a very good to great movie where some of his other movies are legitimate classics. Mm-hmm. Like there are movies that quote unquote, everyone needs to see it's on all those lists. Like things like Malcolm X and do the right thing or yep, movies. I haven't that, seen either one of those. Yeah. So what did you think of like the, you have essentially to me four main performances. You've got Denzel and Clive Owen, and then you've got Christopher Plummer and Jodie Foster in this way. So did any Which of them, one's Christopher Plummer. he was the, the bank owner. Oh, okay. Right. Who stood out to you? Like, was it kind of even across the board, or was there like one or two performances that really jumped out at you? I I think it was pretty even across the board as far as like like how the movie felt. Like you never, it was never like somebody outshines somebody else. Right. Um, but Jodie Foster's character definitely stood out to me. Yeah, I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah. because it's it's 
it's one of those things that she was a very strong female character. She was in a role that we don't actually get to see women in a lot. Mm -hmm. And not once did anybody say anything degrading towards her. Well, I think someone called her like a grade A cunt or something like that during the movie. Yeah. Um, What I love about... Oh, yeah. The mayor did. Yeah. But I'm saying, but like the... Well, that was like... But it was also one of those things where... I think that was the only time she got called that. And it was never by anybody that she wasn't like... Because she was directly manipulating him and blackmailing him. Right. But like the other people that she dealt with didn't like ever do that. Yeah, there's a lot of things I love about that performance and just the fact that ex- that it exists. Not only like this is, you know, probably the vast majority of times this is a role played by a man. Yeah. Like the, the fixer who comes yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, the and, fixer, the cleaner, the one that you can rely on to take care of a situation. And the other thing I loved about it, not just that it's played by a woman, but it's played by a woman who looks like she's about four feet tall yeah. in this movie. And I love that they have, and they don't shy away from that. They have all these shots of like her talking to Denzel and looking up at him. But she is clearly the one in control of every situation. Yeah. And I love that. And I, it would have been really easy to just do like a shot of his face and a shot of her face so you don't really notice right. that size differential. But I was really glad that was there. And her performance is like pitch perfect. I think one of my favorite scenes was uh, at the end of the movie when she goes to talk to the bank owner mm-hmm. and um, was like basically like, I'm never going to say anything about you. However, you are now a reference for this other really bad man. Right. And like, and the thing is, is that her character is so well done that like you can see the bank owner like, like, haha, you're bluffing and then like realize like, oh, oh no. no, she's for real. Like, this is real. Mm-hmm. And what have I gotten myself into by being like this terrible person? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So um, is this a movie that you can see like that you've seen other people take from or do you or is this movie a movie that is taken from other kind of heist movies or does this kind of stand on its own i think it kind of stands on its own i mean there's always those like very similar bank movie elements like well, everybody yeah, you gotta has have it, it right um but like i said this is this one was very very different from all the other heist movies because it wasn't so like a lot of the other movies are about you know like con artists or like like the little man trying to get something back mm-hmm. and like this was more done on a moral base. Right. Like this wasn't, this wasn't about like getting something for himself or I mean, it kind of was, I mean, it's it a was, little bit of both. It he's was doing it for the right reason. Yeah. He's doing it for the right reasons. It was returning things to people who lost something during the Holocaust. Right. Um, but I think the motivation behind these characters was more of exposing Right, this guy than actually getting anything for themselves monetarily. Right. It felt like the number one priority was to shine a light right. on this guy. Because they didn't take any money from the bank. Right. Um, they did take things from that one safety deposit box, mm-hmm. but then left the most valuable thing yep. as a way to further expose him. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. So is this to you a great movie? I think it is. Yeah. Great. Okay. Good. All right, um, so now we move on to this week's actual uh, Brits Film Education. So this is always tough when a science fiction movie comes out because this is kind of your wheelhouse. Yeah. So there's, you know, when you talk about the classics of the genre, you've seen most of them. Yeah. So it was kind of uh, racking my brain. And this is like a minor spoiler for Alien Covenant, but there are two Michael Fassbenders in Alien Covenant. Mm. Um, and so that's the reason I thought of Moon because we have another actor playing dual roles in a science fiction film. 
Um, so Moon, um, which is uh, which is actually directed by Duncan Jones, who made the uh, the Warcraft movie of all things. Oh, um, and is also you wanted to watch this then. Well, I saw this before Warcraft, so oh. it wasn't sullied yet. Um, and he's also, I think, yeah, he's a he's David Bowie's son. Um, oh, so that's that. his, yeah. Uh, so this movie stars Sam Rockwell in a dual role and the voice of Kevin Spacey. And that's pretty much it. And it's basically about this astronaut who, uh, essentially lives for three years on the moon because they've figured out the moon they can harvest energy from in one way or another. Um, and then another version of himself shows up. So it's kind of this, in the beginning, it's kind of like this mystery. Like, is he a clone? Is one of them the clone? Are they both clones? What's going on? Yeah. So what did you think of moon? I have complicated feelings involving Moon. Okay, do tell. Because I feel like I like it, but there's also elements of it where I was not particularly happy too. Okay. I feel like a lot of it for me lately is like pacing of movies. This one's very deliberate. And I think it's harder for me to watch movies like that when I'm having a bad week health-wise. Sure. Um, So like, especially the soundtrack was agitating me and Mm. making me a little anxious. Oh, okay. Because it was like the same notes repeating and it's like, and it's supposed to build tension. Right. So then it was very hard for me to focus on what was going on in some scenes. And there are moments, I think this happens anytime you have an actor playing clones or twins or whatever, there's going to be moments where you're like, wait, which one's which? Like, what's happening here? And I think they try and get around that by very early in the movie, after the the second one shows up, having one of them get bloodied. Yeah. So you can always tell the difference between them. But there are moments, even on a second or a third watch, where I'm like, wait, which one did that again? Yeah. I'm having trouble. Like... Yeah, it was was weird in the sense, too, that sometimes it felt like it it was having flashbacks instead of being in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was throwing me off. Sure. Even though, like, it wasn't. Like, there weren't any real flashbacks. No. It was continually moving forward. But the way that it was shot and the way that they were dealing with the clones was making it feel mm. like there were flashback moments. Right. So that was, it was hard for me to, like, it was very disorientating for me. Okay. So what did you think of uh, of Sam Rockwell's performance in this dual role? I guess the other thing is, like, I just did not like him very much. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Cuz I had the exact opposite reaction. I think he's he's one of those actors that I wish was in more things. Like I think his big quote-unquote breakout role was in Iron Man 2, uh which everybody hated, so that was kind of it for him. Um Yeah, see, I can't even remember what he was in that. Yeah. So, uh, I can look it up for you really briefly, but so what do you think it uh was about him that you didn't like? Was it something about the character or he also played um Zaphod Beeblebrox in a uh, um Hitchhiker's Guide. So, I as think well. I, I think uh, it's going to sound really well, I know it's going to sound bad, but I think the thing Go ahead, that I don't, I don't like his face. Okay. So it's just a physical thing. It's yeah, something. there's there's a lot of his expressions that are very off-putting to me and I don't want to watch him. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he played a character called Justin Hammer in uh, Iron Man 2. He was like the... He was the guy that was wanting to make all the suits. Right, right. Okay. exactly. Yes. So uh, I yeah, think... Yeah, I didn't like him in that either. And I think it's, I think it's one of those things, like, I like aesthetically, I don't like him. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't make me... And I yeah, I'm shallow. But then that makes We me, all are. That makes me not want to, like, listen to him. Okay. So what did you think, speaking of aesthetics, what did you think of, like, kind of the production value and, like... You know, the shots on the moon and the shots in the station. I actually, I like the way that the rest of the movie looked. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminded me of, like, the first Alien. Like, how yeah, everything was very Yeah, I was going to and... say, like, it, it was very much in, like, the classic sci-fi, like, thing. Like, everything was 
stark and sterile and right and like there you know the shots with the um the miners was always really cool yeah and it's it's interesting because i think that's one of the things i was most appreciative in this movie is i think they made it for like six or seven million dollars like they made it for nothing i love that that's nothing in this well think about it a marvel movie cost 170 million no yeah i know i'm just saying though (laughs) and it's just proof that you can make a cool science fiction movie for almost nothing Mm -hmm. you know as long as your movie isn't focused on a creature or an alien race then you don't have to spend a lot of money. And I think they did, you can tell, like, they did a good job here with that. Um, So do you think if they cast someone else that you would have different feelings about the movie? Probably. Okay. Probably would have enjoyed it more. Okay. Um, The other thing I always remember from this is the the happy face, sad face stuff. Oh, yeah, that was so weird. But it wasn't just a happy face, sad face. Yeah, there was, like, like the straight line if he wasn't sure and big smile when he was really happy. That was so funny and weird and... So what did you think about the kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, the characterization of this, of this robot, of Gertie? I feel like that was very much taken from uh, Space Odyssey. How? Oh, from how? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think... I think it's the idea. Yeah, but... I mean, I think it's hard. I think at this point, it's hard to have a robot in space and not think immediately of how, because that's like the... Yeah, the but, original. but I think with this one even more so because at first, uh, they, I think they use that. They play on that mm-hmm. because you think that this robot is sinister to start right. off with like Hal would be. And then you find out actually the opposite. Like yeah. he's probably the most caring character yeah. in the entire film. Right. right. So then it makes me wonder about like what level of AI it was given and right. like all that. So um, I thought it was interesting because they bring it up at the end of the movie. Like his, you know, to use a Star Trek term, his prime directive mm-hmm. is to protect Sam. Yeah. So that's the reason he's able to do those things that probably go against what they programmed him to do. Because they programmed to, at all costs, protect these clones, which are their property. Right. But he kind of takes it a step further. It's also interesting um, that, like, this this movie, I think, is supposed to spark that that sense of, like, what is humane to do. Right. Um, and the, the one, one of the final things, because... They, they do, like, some of the news feed, like, audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought it was really interesting that one of the, the lines that I picked out was either he's an illegal immigrant mm-hmm. or crazy. Yeah, either way like, you should lock him up. Right. That's, yeah. But the thing is, is, like, so we're calling him an illegal immigrant because he was living on the moon, but he was created by the U.S. Yeah, but they, they're not they, – I, I doubt that they would highly publicize that that was going on. Like, there's no – there's no clear clue that like the whole world knows that this well, no, technology. But that's, but that's the thing is like they were they were exposing it, mm-hmm. and like he was exposing that he was a clone from this place. He so was trying it, to, yeah. So, but so, but the, it's like the it just it it makes me think of a lot of what's happening right now with the the fear of immigrants. Oh yeah, and for it's sure. just it's it's funny because like how could he be an immigrant when he was <laughs> created by the U.S. sent there, yeah, and then comes back. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a it's a matter of whether the people on Earth at that time believe his story, right? You know, but it's you know it's sad that that was I mean almost ten years ago now, and if anything, things have gotten worse. Oh, that was this movie. Two thousand nine. Oh, wow. Yeah, so eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one of those movies that slipped by a lot of people. I think because it is such a small budget movie and it's weird and it's you know just one basically one actor on screen the entire time. Right. You know, it's not a movie, I don't think it was ever a movie that they thought was going to blow up and do really, really big, big numbers. 
But it is it is depressing to me that because I think you can see that Duncan Jones is a really talented director mm-hmm. in this movie, and that the next thing he did basically was Warcraft. Yeah, like it's just like and it you know good for him. He wanted to do it. He's a big Warcraft fan. But it's just like you see a movie like this where he uses this tiny budget and almost no actors. And it's I mean, for me, it's like it's pretty moving, you know, like it, and it really works for me. But I guess he did a movie in between. They did a movie called Source Code, um, oh, which was another cool that, science fiction movie. So he was on this like really interesting trajectory and then went to Warcraft after that. And it was like, oh, but, you know, I'm sure he uh, made a lot of money and uh, did well for himself. So good for him, I guess. But I'd like to see him go back to to this kind of movie rather than the big budget. Because I wouldn't watch this movie and think, give that guy a $200 million budget. That's That'll be fun. Like It seems like this is more his wheelhouse. Right. It's this small stuff. But um, So um, you kind of talked about how you, know, you could see it taking stuff from 2001. Uh, were there any other movies or any other moments in the film where you were like, I feel like I've seen this before or have seen this in later movies? Um, there's, there's still some, like, like, Martian feels to it, too. Oh, okay. So the Martian, you think, took a little bit from this. A little bit, yeah. Okay. I could see that. Like, the, you know, the lone astronaut on his own, like, the effects of loneliness, you know, and that's the other thing I really liked about it, is showing that, and I don't think you, I mean, you might have, but I don't think I fully realized it on first watch that, like, we are... It's not because he's been punched that he's dying. It's just like you have a three-year contract no, yeah. and your your body is giving out. It's a yeah, three-year it's, lifespan. It's because, yeah, it's, a three, it's, the, it's the life cycle of the clone itself. Right. It's not yeah. a contract. It's yeah. like this is the life. And I thought like, wow, what a really cool idea. And you do get to see. And I think they handle it really well. Like at, when things first start happening, you're like, oh, is he just sick? Is he injured? And then like by the end, you're like, oh, man, this guy is done. Yeah. You know? So I think they handled that really well. Um, so is this a great movie? I don't know. You don't know? Mm-hmm. It feels like for you it teeters on that, like, I appreciate it more than I like it. Yeah, because it's not something that I think I would ever watch again. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I don't know if I could say that other people should watch it, but that's also because, like, I obviously have bias against his face. So so if you like Sam Rockwell's face, you should watch it. If yeah. not, you should stay away. Yeah, there we go. All right, cool. Sounds good. All right, so now we are going to move into the new releases for next week. So the first release is not technically a theatrical release because it's coming out on on Netflix, and that is War Machine um, starring Brad Pitt. It says, an absurdist war story for our times. Uh, that's pretty much all it says. It's like part reality, part savage parody. And it's of course about kind of the war in Afghanistan. Uh, and it seems to have like a, it's based on a book, uh, by Michael Hastings it has a pretty big cast. We've got Brad Pitt, Topher Grace, uh, Anthony Michael Hall, Emery Cohen, who was in Brooklyn, one of, one of my favorites, uh, Ben Kingsley shows up in the trailer. Um, so what did you think of this trailer? I'd heard about this movie coming out forever, but I didn't know anything about it until we just sat down and watched the trailer. So what were your original thoughts? I'm confused. Okay. What are you confused about? I don't blame like, you, by the way. Like, I can't tell if this is supposed to be comedic. Because, I think it is. Because Brad Pitt is fucking ridiculous. It's interesting. It's like, you can almost hear a little bit of the vocal tendencies he used in, um... Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, and I think, but that's he's what's like this con- American blonde. It's very strange. That's why it's confusing me because Inglorious Bastards was obviously something that was supposed to be like tongue in cheek, right? And, Over the top, like, and it feels like Brad Pitt is the only one in this trailer who's doing that. Yeah, everyone else seems to be playing it pretty straight. 
That's yeah, a good everybody point. else is like super serious, like this is a war movie, and then Brad Pitt is like shooting the shit. Yeah, and it's also a really weird choice of uh, of director. Uh, his name is uh, David Michaud, and the only other thing I really know of him that he directed is called The Rover, which is this like post apocalyptic movie with uh, with Guy Pearce and Robert Pattinson. That's like ultra ultra serious and dark. And then you go to this, and you're like, what? What is even happening here? So the one thing that I am having problems with, though, is it has nothing to do with this movie. Okay. It's Tilda Swinton. Okay, what's... Are we just now going to cast her in whatever type of non-white role we can because she looks weird? How is she non-white? I think she was like a reporter She they movie. They gave her an affectation that made her sound like she was Middle Eastern. Really? In her voice. Hmm. I did not even notice that. It makes me wonder if that's just an acting choice on her part, like a like an American or British reporter who's been in the Middle East for a long time and you like pick up affectations. I don't know, but like in that one moment like that she was talking, I was like, Ugh, really? We're gonna do like so first you take over a Chinese role and Oh. Now... Apparently in the cast list she is a German politician. It did not come out German in I don't that. Know. But again, there's only clip. one line in the trailer, so who knows? Okay, yeah. Sometimes so, things okay. sound off. Okay, fine. But. If they want to make her German and she has a German accent for the rest of the movie, fine. Okay. But that's not how it sounded in that one line to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, please, please do not Stop try to make this. her a person of color again. Yep. Yep. It's like, just because she has weird features does not mean you can cast her in whatever the fuck you want. Yeah, I mean, let's just uh, be done with it and make the biopic of David Bowie starring Tilda right. Swinton. yeah. Because that would be done. great. She's perfect. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because this is a movie, I think, that it got bought by like a sh- for a shitload of money by Netflix. And I watched the whole trailer and I was like, eh. Like, nothing really struck me. And, no. I, and I'm like a big Brad Pitt fan. I'll watch him in pretty much everything. But this just, I don't know, it seems a little bit off. Like, too try hard. I don't know. You know, there's is. been so so many movies at this point about, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and the military experience that, like, I guess we're at the point now where we do satire on it. But it just, it. I mean, the worst part about it is there was nothing in it that was funny. Yeah. You know, that's, like they, that's why I said it just left me confused. Right. And if we're going to talk about, you know, casting issues, we have Ben Kingsley, who is not Middle Eastern, playing someone from Afghanistan yeah. in this movie. And this is not the first time this has happened, you know, and it's like apparently there's just no actors that are of Middle Eastern descent. They don't exist. So. So, yeah, this movie, I was actually surprised. I sat down to watch the trailer thinking like, oh, I'm really going to like this. And I was just and I didn't hate it, but I was still just kind of like very unexcited by it. Mm. yeah uh, and it sounds like you're even less excited yeah. by this all right so the next movie we're going to talk about is uh probably the movie with the biggest budget that's coming out this week which is uh pirates of the caribbean dead men tell no tales yes we have another movie from uh wife beater johnny depp i mean actor johnny depp um uh starring as jack jack sparrow but we also have great actors like jeffrey rush and javier bardem uh which is like the only thing that makes me almost want to see this. Also, David Wenham, one of your favorites, uh, is also in this. Um, so where 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 do you stand I love on this? Dave tells me it's my favorite. I'm like, who is that? He's the guy who was in Lord of the Rings and 300. Oh yeah. yeah. All right, you feel okay. better. Yeah. All right. Also in Moulin Rouge, uh, cross dressing. So good times. Um, so what is your stance at this point on uh, this franchise? There's what like five or six movies now. This is the sixth one. Is it really? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, I think I'm pretty sure it is. I'll believe you. You could say nine, and I'd be like, okay, sounds about right. Um, (laughs) I remember when this franchise first started, and I was so fucking excited. 
Um, it was even one of those things of like when they were making the the second or maybe it was like the third movie. I don't know. Further down the franchise. Um, That's when they started to get bad. By the way, the third. Movie. Yeah, it was because it was still when they, we had the uh, the pirates from Barbosa mm-hmm. around. Like mm-hmm. like, um, they came to one of the fairs that I was working. Oh, that's right. And yeah, they actually use stuff from the booth that i worked at in the next movie that they filmed in nice like so that's awesome so it was for me at that point because i was still pretty young i was like early 20s it was exciting like i didn't get to meet them the Mm -hmm. guy that runs the booth did um but like i helped him like and it was like the two main guys right the one with the glass eye and the other one what was the one with the glass eye um very large african-american man Oh, and okay. then a very tiny man. <laughs> oh, okay. So gotcha. there was there was like three or four of them that came nice. to, to the fair and that like he gave stuff to. Right. Cool. Yeah. So, um, so like there's there's mugs and like leather bits from our booth or well I worked for it it was a mine, um, <laughs> in there. So I was excited back then. Now I'm like at that point where how I feel like with most books of like. <sighs> well, I I'm read really, all the other ones. I'm really tired of the series. <laughs> The completionist. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think the first one is legitimately a great blockbuster. It's like everything you want a blockbuster to be. And I remember when the first one came out being like, ugh, we're just making movies out of theme park rides. Okay, I guess. And then I saw it and was like, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah, the the first the first movie was amazing. And then the second one was pretty good. The second one is good just because it's so fucking weird. Yeah. Like it just it's a it's a mind fuck the whole time. And then after that we start going downhill. And after that they just get disposable. Like I don't even I never walked out of a pirates movie going, Oh, that was god awful, but I was just like, Okay, that happened. I guess we're done with that now. And then another one comes out, and another one comes out. The last movie had Ian McShane in it, right? Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's pretty much the only Playing reason why I watched that one. Yeah. yeah. So that was the only reason why I watched that one. Um, yeah, and this one I'm pretty much only watching for like specific actors I want to see again. Like And I, a ghost shark. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like a ghost shark? Well, apparently not you. You're very disappointed in the size I was. It. I heard there was a ghost shark, and then they showed it in the trailer. I was like, that's, oh, all right. I guess that's what we're doing. All right, that's fine. It yeah. is amusing to me to see Johnny Depp's face on all the red carpets now, though, because he looks sour as fuck. <laughs> like, Good. Good. I'm glad. Stop casting him in your movies, especially if you're, you know, someone who actually cares about women. Maybe uh, don't cast him. Yeah. It's worse. And also, like, lately he's fucking box office poison. Yep. It's not as if he's, like, this actor who brings all this money to the gate. Like, of course, the last movie he was in did really well, but that wasn't about him. That was about Harry Potter. No, and pretty much all the fans are pissed that he was put into that role anyways. Right, yeah. Um, So I think we're both in the same... Oh, man. Hmm. Both in the same boat here. Fuck. Uh, (laughs) In the fact that, like, we're not terribly interested, but we watched all the other ones, and there's a couple really good actors that we enjoy seeing, so we might end up seeing it, but not something... Oh, we're going to wind up seeing it, because you know Mom's going to want to go. She will. Your mother has simple taste, bless her heart. She really does. <laughs> it's the perfect movie for her. Yeah, so it's just going to be, I'm sure it'll be throwaway, like, just like the last four or five of these movies, and, and then it'll be over, and then we'll wonder if they're going to make fucking another one of these movies, because they keep making they, money they overseas. They keep saying this is the final movie, though. And the original the original um, setup was that there were supposed to be six movies. Oh, God. It makes me think, it makes me wonder, like... Because I hear that a lot about franchises. Like, so did they have 
six movies plotted out, or I did they just want to do six movies? I think they had the first three plotted out, and then that that's why sense. it drops off after that. I think yeah. it's because they weren't expecting to like lose actors and actresses for the roles. I think they kind of like got so caught up in how much money that they were making that they, they were making a lot from the, the storyline. Um, yeah. 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 So they're just gonna keep happening, monkey, uh, as as long as we keep paying for it. So that's that's how it's gonna work. I want to know why that monkey's still alive. How long do monkeys live? I don't know. I the mean, monkey named Jack. It was, yeah, it was a ghost monkey too for a little while. So it it should have died by now, but it's still in the movies. Are you upset that the monkey is still living? Is that where we're at? <laughs> These movies <laughs> just fucking killed a monkey already. I'm done. <laughs> I'm tired of Johnny Depp's character saying monkey. Yeah. Fair enough. Character this point i guess all right so now we move on to the movie uh that uh we are covering on the show uh which is kind of sad that this is the movie i'm most excited about out of the releases this week um but after hearing our discussion on war machine and pirates of the caribbean uh you'll probably understand why so that movie is boss baby (laughs) no that movie is starts with a b baywatch uh, well, the... that's not surprising. You just want to see two really hot men without shirts on for, like, what, two and a half hours? Look, that's what, how l- long every movie is now. <laughs> God, I hope this is not two and a half hours long. Don't long say things it? like that. I don't know. How long is it? I don't know. I'll find Look out. It up. Less than two hours. 116 minutes. It's mm-hmm. still an hour and 56 minutes, which is way too long for a Baywatch movie. So, uh, Britt, what is your reaction to the trailer for Baywatch? I think it looks like disposable fun. Mm-hmm. Which is nice every now and again. Yeah, I think this movie to me is either going to be really funny or really painful. And I'm really, I'm not sure which one it's going to be. Like, I have hope because I think both Dwayne Johnson and Zac Efron are really talented comedic actors, actually. Like, that we've, you know, now that you've seen movies like Neighbors, like, I think Zac Efron is really funny. No, yeah, I think that's um, good. I also like that in the... <laughs> In the trailer, they call him out on being white. Yes. What do you mean, you people? No, 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 no. no. You got a tan. You can't say that. I also like that there's there's uh, there's some things in the trailer that makes it feel like it it understands what it is, and there's kind of some meta stuff going on, like, like the, the slow the running in slow motion, yeah. like that happens to you too. Like it's, I like that they're playing with that, but it's such so. In terms of it, whether it's going to be great or whether it's going to be bad, it's either going to be like Twenty One Jump Street. Where, like, it feels like this is a bad idea, but, like, oh, my God, this is so funny. Or it's going to be Starsky and Hutch, and it's going to be garbage. I never saw Starsky and Hutch. There is a reason. (laughs) No one should watch that movie. Well, I'm going to hope it goes for 21 Jump Street style, which it kind of feels like it is in this trailer. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm actually – I actually think this might be good. And if you had told me five years ago, like, they're going to make a Baywatch movie and I will be excited to see it, I'm not sure I would have believed you. I wonder how many cameos are going to happen from The Hoth. Hopefully none. You know, there's gonna be at least. We one. just had a fucking cameo from him in a in a movie we saw recently. I Can know. we be done? No. We done with the fucking Hoff. It makes me. It does make me wonder how many cameos in general there's gonna be. Right. You know, whether it's David Hasselhoff or Pamela Anderson or you know, like people made their names on this show somehow. It's it's one of those shows that like. Everyone watched, but no one would admit to it. Oh, no, like, I admit to it. I remember when Baywatch like went, just went full-on soap opera, and there was an evil twin episode. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like, that, uh, that episode was burned in my brain for the rest of my life. You have more knowledge about uh, about Baywatch than I do. So you are the expert. I'm just going to let you right. take that crown. You yeah. can have that. All right, so that is the movie we will cover. And the reason we're covering it is because we are taking a look at another uh, – 
disaster movie uh, with uh, with The Rock, and we're watching San Andreas oh, this yeah. week. Oh, yeah. I so, totally remember watching that sort of. Like, and, and really the tie-in is, like, movies I would probably not even think about seeing if The Rock wasn't in them. Fair. You know? That's totally fair. Like, yeah. that's... <laughs> I think they both they both fit. So so that's what we're gonna look at. And I think for our uh, our fangirl fixation, our uh, Brits film education, we're gonna take a look at a disaster movie from the seventies. We're gonna watch The Towering Inferno. Okay, before you make me watch it, what criteria do you need to look for to warn me about? Uh, dogs and teeth and cockroaches. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's probably not. I've never because, seen it. Again, I've never okay, seen so it. so this last movie with the moon, there no dogs die. But he spits out teeth. And Dave's response is always, I I forgot! forgot. I did! I haven't seen it in like a year. And because it's not my fear, it doesn't upset me, it doesn't get burned into my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, I guess that did happen. That's... (laughs) Alright, any uh, last words uh, before we finish up the episode? Sounds like you're dying. Anything to add? (laughs) I pretty much (laughs) What are your last words? What what would you like your last meal to be? (laughs) (laughs) So, anything else to add? That's too complicated of a question. Anything else to add before we end the episode? Nope. All right, so that's it for this episode. As I mentioned, the next time you hear me, we will be doing an episode on San Andreas. So until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what you watch. I heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do you? Wow, sound quality wherever you are sounds really, really good. Does it like, really? Like ultra clear. Joking? No, no, like ultra clear. I don't know why, but <laughs> it's uh eleven forty five at night and oh, nobody's using well, the internet. Fair enough. Now. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> what idiot would possibly be using the internet right now? <laughs> Fucking podcasters, the worst kind of people. Podcasters. Absolutely. <laughs> Faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight overthrew you. She tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke your throat and she cut your hair. And from your lips, she drew the heart.